Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Before we get started, there's just time to tell you that Countdown Susie Dent is Gabby Logan's guest on this week's II Family Money Show podcast. You can listen to what Susie has to say, as well as all the other guests from series one, two, and three, by searching for Interactive Investor or the II Family Money Show, wherever you usually get your podcasts. Back to this episode, where I catch up with Evie Hambro, Global Head of Thematic and Sector-Based Investing for BlackRock. Evie manages a number of funds and investment trusts, including the BlackRock World Mining Trust. In our chat, Evie explains what is driving a new commodity supercycle, which is a sustained period of growing demand for commodities exceeding supply. Evie also gives his views on gold, and we discuss dividends as well, as the investment trust is yielding just over 6%. But I started off by asking him to explain why we are in a commodity super cycle and how long it could potentially last. I think it's a, it's a good question, um, but what I'd do is, is uh, try to uh, move away from the concept of super cycle uh, and just to describe you know what a cycle is you know a, a cycle is a period of time where we go through peaks and troughs uh, related to you know commodity prices uh, commodity prices are influenced by demand and supply and so you know the question therefore is you know what's going to drive demand and supply and what uh, from this point forward and and what has got us to this point so when we look at the demand side of the equation for defining a cycle you know we're, we're clearly and i think it's it's incredibly obvious and and you know unbelievably high priority uh, probability to happen is that we're into an energy transition for the global economy where we will be switching out of the use of fossil fuels um, and we'll be swapping fossil fuels for metals um, as we build infrastructure related to renewables, electric vehicles and, and so on. Uh, and that that transition itself is is not going to happen. It has to happen. You know, governments are putting in place financing for it. You know, they're adjusting permitting processes to allow things to happen in in in, in good speeds whilst responsibly developing things. You know, most companies are looking to transition from you know highly polluting or high emission uh, production processes considered to be brown uh, in terms of a categorization to to being green. Uh, so there's trillions of dollars of infrastructure going to be invested annually um, for at least a decade if not more and most of that is going to go into into minerals because that's what's going to be needed for for the transition so the demand outlook is very robust Uh, and the second thing to say about the demand outlook is it's not one country dominated like the previous china related cycle uh, in minerals where we had one country driving commodities demand this is a global uh, increase in expenditure so we're going to have developed world you know developing world all looking to decarbonize on the supply side of the equation which is you know equally important you know we've come out of a long period of underinvestment into resources companies are still being very disciplined uh, around how they allocate capital uh, and today they're short on projects 
to construct. Um, and, you know, given the inflationary trends in the market, the asset and project scarcity, the shifting fiscal terms with governments as they seek to raise more, more taxation, you know, it's, it's not a conducive environment to invest to grow volumes. In addition, competing for capital against growth in volumes is for the resources companies to decarbonize their own operating footprint. And that requires capital. So internally in these companies, you've got a battle between what to hand back to shareholders, what to invest for growth in volumes and what to invest to decarbonize. You know, it's not just about volume growth. So I think the supply outlook is going to continue to remain constrained. So if you put those two things together, we are clearly in a cycle and we are in the up legs of a cycle that's likely to last for you know, an extended period of time. It will be volatile, it won't always be going up, but the, the trends around demand are long dated. The trends around supply are even longer dated because you can't just turn a tap and, and grow production. So I think yeah, I'm very, very confident um, that we're going to see you know, pretty good returns for resource assets for a long period of time into the future. So you've given us the sort of big macro picture. Could you talk us through how specifically BlackRock World Mining Investment Trust, how that's positioned to benefit from the increased demand for lower carbon technologies? So things like wind turbines, solar panels, electric vehicles. Yeah, so you know the the the, the energy generation, energy transmission, you know the new ways that that we're going to be uh, achieving mobility, you know the increased uh, standard of living around the world, urbanisation. These are all incredibly resources intensive, and depending upon which application uh, you're using, it might use copper, it might use aluminium, it might use lithium and nickel and cobalt for batteries. Um, so you know different things have different uses. Uh, the BlackRock World Mining Trust is incredibly well positioned to be able to to capture exposure to these trends in, in these growth trends in, in in demand because we're invested in the companies that produce these commodities you know for decades these businesses have been you know you know gone through you know many cycles we've now got a global cycle that's likely to be like the tide coming in and lifting all the boats so i think our portfolio is is well positioned uh, on the commodities that we think are going to be the biggest beneficiaries around the transition and we hope that we pick the right companies to be able to deliver those exposures for us you mentioned um you know it'll ebb and flow this cycle and in, in regards to performance for blackhawk world mining over three years the trust is up 130 percent but over the past year returns are more flat could you explain why returns have cooled somewhat over the past year? Sure. Um, so, you know, if you, you've got to look at it, it, it over a kind of 10 year period. So when you when we look at that period, we've come from a very high base. You know, 2011 kind of time frame was the peak of the last cycle. Um, and we ended up going into a five year down leg. That five year down leg finished at the beginning of 2016. Um, and that down leg was caused by overexpansion of production at a time when demand, principally from China, was cooling. Uh, and so you had reduced demand growth uh, at a time when volumes supply was increasing which created oversupply and price and therefore price weakness uh, for the commodities that process came to an end in 2015 2016 uh, and since then we've been in a period of constrained investment into production which has kept supply um, growth muted demand has been steadily increasing and now we're on this inflection point of change where demand growth is likely to accelerate rapidly, driven by the transition 
that we mentioned earlier on. And, and so over the last few years, you know, resource companies have been re-rated um, from the lows at the kind of the bottom of the previous cycle. And we've had this lovely kind of tailwind uh, supporting the businesses in terms of improved margins, uh, paying down of debt, you know, re-rating of the equities as they become less leveraged uh, in terms of their balance sheets and re-rated around dividends. They've you know, massively increased the payouts back to shareholders. You know, so that's what the, the, been the drivers of the share price performance since 2016. You know, over the last kind of uh, 12 months or so, you know, we've gone through some kind of uptrends and downtrends in the short term. You know, we've had uncertainty last year around you know, when China was going to move away from a zero COVID policy. You know, we've obviously had the uh, the tragic circumstances in Russia with regards to Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we've had the move in interest rates that all has all created macro volatility in the short term. Um, that have the kind of got that kind of uh, noise has got in the way of the of the bigger picture, uh, which is the energy transition. And so we're kind of navigating our way through that period of noise. At the end of the day, the big thing always tend to kind of come through uh, and, and price uh, securities in the market. And so I think it's just a question of time as to when people start to recognize how big a driver these macro themes are going to be for the sector. Has rising levels of interest rates had a negative impact at all on commodities? I mean, we saw last year the gold price didn't function as people would typically expect it to in a risk-off environment. Yeah, so um, gold actually did very well last year um, in all currencies apart from the US dollar. So if you're sitting there as a sterling investor uh, last year, you had a great return in, 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 in from your gold exposure, same in Australia and other parts of the world. It's really only the kind of headline figure in US dollars that didn't deliver. And that's you know natural because of the moves in currencies. Um, I think you know the interest rates have two impacts. You know, first of all, they if you're rising interest rates, compress valuations because you get, you're getting a, a a, a higher risk-free return uh, in government bonds, and so therefore equities need to compete um, for capital. And uh, when you have the alternative looking more attractive, uh, with those rising yields. The second thing is obviously, you know, in, in rising interest rates increase the cost of capital for companies, uh, and that means that they have to rethink investment decisions, which can have an impact on on demand for commodities because of lower investments into buildings, infrastructure, residential, etc. Uh, uh, through time and and cools people's you know, personal consumption as, as you have a rising cost of debt. So you know, those two impacts are uh, create uncertainty. Uh, and so we've been through that period. But it Underlying that, we've got the energy transition and cost of capital is not going to change for that. If anything, governments are going the other way. You know, they might be raising interest rates, but they're providing huge amounts of financial support through subsidies and encouragement plans. You know, the US uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the European Green Deal, the European equivalent of the Inflation Reduc Reduction Act, all of these initiatives around the world are designed to increase capital at low cost going into uh, investment decisions that are going to support the transition. We've seen in recent months the gold price in dollar terms. It has returned to form and it's you know it's been around $2,000 an ounce, so not too far off its all-time high. Has there been any particular driver for that? Yeah, I think there's a the, the, the main thing that people tend to think about short term in the gold market is you know, what's going to happen to the US dollar, because that's the single biggest factor that tends to be linked to gold. You know, a strong dollar tends to be a weak gold price and a weak dollar tends to be a, a, a strong gold price. Um, and so when you when you look at those two factors and, you, and, and you're thinking about interest rates, you know, there are increased expectations that were kind of coming towards the peak of the interest rate rising 
cycle. You know, as people start to think that is the case, then assets that would perform well on the back of uh, a no further incre- increased uh, interest rates and therefore potential for you know downward move in interest rates and therefore weakness in the currency, you know things that are negatively correlated would start to perform well. So this has been a pretty standard move in in, in terms of gold. I think the other factor, sorry to mention short term, would be the uns- the uncertainty in the U.S. banking sector. You know, we've seen a lot of volatility in the U.S. banking sector, and people are probably thinking about, you know, do I want to have my cash on deposit in some of these, you know, uh, banks that are now perceived to be riskier than they previously were thought, and maybe we should have some of our cash in in either the bigger banks or maybe an alternative to cash like gold. And in this sort of um, cycle, um, mining companies tend to pay out more in dividends. And um, this is reflected by the yield on Blackhawk Whale Mining Investment Trust. It's just over 6%. So how sustainable is that going forward for the next couple of years? Yeah, so I think there's two things to say about that. The first is that, you know, when we looked uh, at our strategy inside the trust, you know, we're coming up to our 30-year anniversary uh, in December of, uh, of 2023. And, you know, in 2011, 2010, we revisited our strategy as, a, as, a, as, a, as the investment trust. And we realized that we were leaving money on the table by not maximizing the income potential uh, of the portfolio. And so as we did that, uh, and we adjusted the strategy to, to make sure we didn't leave anything behind. So to be clear, we didn't turn ourselves into an income trust. We just wanted to make sure we captured as much as possible. Um, we were able to substantially increase the, the overall revenue of the trust. And that pattern has been pretty consistent over the last decade or more. You've seen a rising trend uh, of income uh, broadly for the for, for the portfolio. You know, over the last few years, we've been had some bonanza payments. You know, resource companies have paid off their debt. Uh, and uh, as a result of no debt and very limited capital going back into into growth you know, there's a lot of free cash flow uh, and under the the dividend policies that they now have you know a lot of that was paid back to shareholders what we're seeing now though is a battle for that cash you know we're seeing a pressure to continue dividends we're seeing a, a desire to invest for volume growth and we're seeing a desire to invest for decarbonization of their own industrial assets and then there's a fourth factor as well which is share repurchases you know so companies are seeing the valuations which are you you know, yeah, record lows in terms of multiples, um, especially on a risk-adjusted basis with the absence of debt. And they're saying, well, at these prices, probably the best investment we can, we can make to increase value is to buy back our own shares. So that kind of competition for free cash flow, you know, means that, you know, each, each component is going to need to battle to get itself heard. Uh, and dividends, you know, we might see more buybacks instead of dividend growth. Uh, and, you know, given that the trust um it has a large portion of its income coming from ordinary dividends you know the, there could be some more value coming through buybacks in the near term but the nice thing about our, our income mix is that we deliberately diversified our sources of income over the last few uh, last decade or more so you know we have a component that comes from ordinary dividends we have a component that comes from uh resource company bonds we have a component that comes from royalties and we have a component that comes from our options strategies where we sell volatility to the market. So that diversification of revenue uh, allows us to smooth the journey through any ups and downs that might come from how much companies choose to pay us in terms of ordinary dividends. And finally, um, I wanted to ask you for your thoughts on cryptocurrency as as an investment. I I wanted to hear your views on that and whether one day potentially we would see cryptocurrency in the Blackhawk World Mining Investment Trust. 
Um, I think that the the, uh, the first thing I'd say is, you know, we're in, we're an investor in mining businesses, uh, and mining businesses need to have a geological endowment of resources in the ground, which they, you know, through their skill, expertise, you know, their access to capital, uh, etc., are able to uh, convert those uh, geological resources in the ground into um, a level of profitability that allows them to, you know, invest back into the country, pay local taxes, uh, and to, you know, to, to reward their shareholders for the risks they've taken in backing them. That is our. Uh, that is the the role of the investment trust. It's to invest in those kind of businesses. You know, we haven't strayed into the to the long grass of investing in banks or brewing businesses or technology companies. You know, we've been very true to label, and I don't see us uh, diverging from that kind of true to label focus um, in, in the future. My thanks to Evie, and thank you for listening to this episode of On the Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, please tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email, which is otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.